Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at Alumni Hall. Make sure, guys, do yourself a favor. Check out all the latest and greatest Georgia Bulldogs gear that you're going to find anywhere at Alumni Hall. You can stop in in-store inside the Epsbridge Shopping Center here in Athens or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. But all right, guys, I am your host, Tyler, and believe it or not... Finally, back with me once again today is my longtime co-host, Curtis. And since I've got Curtis back with me today, and since we are now full speed ahead previewing the 2023 football season, we want to have some fun today. So we thought it was time to do an episode that we do each and every summer where we peruse the preseason magazines that are all hitting newsstands right about now and discuss whether we are buying or selling what they have to say about the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, usually when we do this, we have like two or three of these preseason magazines that we're able to find and kind of get our hands on, and we just take a little bit from each one of them. However, this year, it's a little bit different. I don't know if it's an Athens thing. I really don't know, but I don't know what it is. I don't know if this, that these preseason publications are having financial issues, so there's not printing as many copies, or maybe the printer's just backed up. I don't know. Something's weird, because the only preseason magazine that I have been able to find anywhere in Athens over the past couple of weeks, and I've looked just about everywhere, is Lindy's. And we usually have you know, Lindy's, Athlon, maybe even a Phil Steele out there, but not this year. I, I can't find one anywhere around town. Maybe... They are out there somewhere across the United States, probably, I'm sure. I know they still make them, but I just cannot find one here in Athens, which is fine because I don't really read these magazines. The only one I really put any sort of stock into is Pick 6 Previews, which hasn't quite released yet. They should be releasing here in the next week or so. For my money, that's the best one on the market, and we're going to have Brett Siancha on here again this year to preview Georgia, the rest of the SEC. He's a guy that does the Pick 6 Previews, so I love Pick 6 Previews, but the other ones, like they don't really do all that much for me. Really, the only reason I even look at them or buy them is so that we can do these episodes every summer. So it's whatever, but all it means for today's episode is that we're going to have to go exclusively with Lindy's, which is fine. It's the only one I could find. Again, all of these pieces of magazines, at least like the Lindy's, the Athlons, the Phil Steels, they all pretty much regurgitate the same relatively shallow preseason narratives anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. I just like to have a variety 
of takes so they can bring them on here and discuss them, but we couldn't make that happen this year. We just got Lindy's to work with. So I picked up a copy of Lindy's. I perused through their preseason team rankings, their player rankings, the unit rankings, and I pulled out a couple of items that caught my attention that we are going to discuss today on the show. And again, I don't really ever read their actual team previews because they're, they're kind of garbage, but the rankings are pretty good content. I mean, at the very least, they provide for some good offseason debate. So we're going to take a look at those today and have some fun with it. But all right, Curtis, enough explanation. Let's get down to business, man. Let's talk some football. And we're going to start with the infamous anonymous scouting report, which you guys, I mean, I'm sure most of you have picked up on these magazines before, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. It doesn't really require much explanation. But for anyone out there who's maybe never seen one of these preseason college football magazines, the anonymous scouting reports involve a coach that coaches against whatever school, giving his quick hot takes on that school, like his very brief synopsis on what he projects that school, that team to be this year. Some of them are pretty run-of-the-mill, pretty ho-hum, but some kind of stand out. Sometimes they're kind of interesting. So there were two things that kind of stood out to me about the anonymous scouting report that was in Lindy's this year. So we're just going to start there with both of those takes from some random, who knows, anonymous coach out there. And Curtis, here is the first one. According to this anonymous scouting report, quote, Georgia has the best tight end in the country, and in my opinion, the best tight end, obviously talking about Brock Bowers, that's played college football in the last 30 years. Curtis, we all know Brock Bowers is the man. We know how good this guy is. But best tight end that's played college football in the last 30 years? That's some pretty damn high praise, man. So are you buying or selling that? I'm going to buy that. And like, I know a lot of people are going to say, like, think of all these guys who are all pros and stuff. But the thing was, their production wasn't there in college. And as good as you think of people like Gronkowski and Antonio Gates and, you know, Tony Gonzalez, like all those people, yes, but I don't see their production being at this level in college football. And you can even look at Kyle Pitts and people like that. But to me, Brock Bowers is so much more than what just Kyle Pitts was. I think his game is so, – the reason I say yes is because I look at all facets of the game. The guy has really improved blocking. You think of some of these touchdowns when you're watching replays from last year of him just driving his guys away from the ball. Um, and then you see him as a receiver and then also as a running back, taking handoffs and little pitches and doing things. So to me, he does it all, and he does it at a very high level. So to me, it's hard to argue against that, especially in this new age of football where tight ends are being used as receivers. That was very well said, Curtis, man. You absolutely nailed it there. I'll just add a few things here. So I just wrote a piece for Dogs Daily, which all of you should go check out, by the way. And the piece was essentially about the take that two pro football-focused scouts, draft scouts, had on Brock Bowers. And they had a ton of fascinating things to say about Brock. But one of the guys, I think his name was Trevor Sikama, said something that kind of just sticks out to me. And he said that Brock is among the highest players that he has ever graded coming out of college not just highest tight ends that he's ever graded one of the highest players at any position that he has ever graded coming into an NFL draft and he only has the dude's first two years to base that off of think about that based off of just his first two years in college you have NFL draft analysts already claiming that he is one of the highest graded players that they have ever graded that is insanity that's how good this guy is 
So for anyone listening out there that might or might not be a Georgia fan, which I, I can't imagine anyone that's listening isn't a Georgia fan, but if you're out there, I know you want to sit here and call us Homer, saying, of course you're going to say Brock Bowers is, you know, is the best tight in the last 30 years. You're a Georgia guy. You're a Homer. It's not just us, guys. It's anyone who's actually watched Brock Bowers play. You know what you are watching. You are watching greatness. And if you don't want to admit that, you are the one with the agenda. I mean, just think about some of these numbers, Curtis. He has, over two years, 119 receptions, 1,824 receiving yards, 20 touchdowns. Dude averages 15 and a half yards a catch. And on top of that, you mentioned his rushing yards, Curtis. 165 yards rushing, four touchdowns, 13 yards a carry running the football on top of what he does as a pass catcher. And in just two seasons at Georgia... He's already set the Georgia record for receiving touchdowns in a single season. Again, not just by tight ends. Any Georgia player in the history of the program, he's got more receiving touchdowns in a single season, which was 13 in his freshman year, than any other player in Georgia history. He's also number two in receptions in a single season with 63 that he had last year. That was uh, 14 behind Bryce Hunters back in 1993. And in just two seasons, he's already fourth on the Georgia career touchdown receptions list. Again, in just two years. So the numbers clearly tell you that this dude absolutely has to be among the best tight ends in the last 30 or so years. But it's more than just the numbers when you watch Brock play, Curtis. It's the way in which he puts those numbers up. The types of catches he makes. Because Curtis, he is the number one focal point for every single defense that we face. And they still cannot stop the guy. They want to double him. They want to try to take him out of the game. So he's got a bunch of contested balls that he has to win. And he wins them consistently. The way that he can contort his body in space, control his body. The hands, man. The strongest hands that I have ever seen. And then you throw in his blocking ability on top of that. Now, Brock is not a Darnell Washington level blocker because nobody is. He was essentially a a third tackle out there. And he is slightly undersized, but the dude has a motor like no other I've ever seen in my life. Like this dude, he takes zero plays off. Like he does not take a playoff. I defy you to watch any Georgia tape because guys, I've watched all these games about 10 times by now. Find me a play where Brock Bowers is not going 100 miles an hour, that he is taking off. Find me one single play. I dare you to, because you can't do it. You can't do it. Play doesn't exist. He's tough as freaking nails. Dude played with a torn labrum for at least half of his freshman year and didn't lose one damn bit of his effectiveness while he was playing with that torn labrum. He's selfless. He does whatever is asked of him, and he does it with a smile on his face. Like, this dude is different. He is special. But I do have to admit, when I when I first saw that, that quote from the anonymous coach, whoever it is out there, you know, my first inclination was like, well, I mean, yeah, Brock is incredible, but best tight end last 30 years, like best tight end in my lifetime. And dude, there's been a bunch of really good tight ends. So I was kind of skeptical at first. I thought about it. I was like, huh, I don't know. But the more I think about it, the more I come around to the idea that, yeah, Brock is the best tight end of the last 30 years in college football, at least the the best tight end in my lifetime. And there's been some good ones. I mean, think about some of the guys that came to mind. I mean, I know Kyle Pitts relatively recently, and Florida fans, I mean, I, this has been on social media, Florida fans have been arguing about this for a couple of weeks now. But Kyle Pitts, as good as he was in 2020, he was fantastic. And I have to say, that was the COVID year, so it was a shortened season. But Kyle Pitts, through his career, through three seasons at Florida, had only 100 catches, 1,492 yards, 18 touchdowns. Brock already has 119 catches, 1,800 yards, 20 touchdowns, 15.4 yards per carry, four more touchdowns on the ground, 
And Kyle Pitts was not a complete player. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's a fantastic receiver, but he basically played a receiver for Florida. Yeah, he might line, line up in line a time or two here or there. Dude wasn't blocking his soul. Wasn't blocking anybody. Like, let's be real. I mean, I know we have a bunch of Falcon fans out there. If you didn't watch him a lot in college, you watch him with the Falcons. Dude doesn't block anybody. That's not what he does. So, I mean, yeah, he's a tight end in name only. Brock actually is a complete tight end. Yes, he can put up the numbers, which, by the way, he has better career numbers already through two years than Kyle Pitts does, and he also blocks his ass off. So Kyle Pitts is great. He, he's not Brock. Like He wasn't as good as Brock. I'm sorry. He just wasn't. And then you look at other guys. I think Mark Andrews is a guy that comes to mind for me at Oklahoma. He was really good at Oklahoma. He's had a really good NFL career as well. But you look at Mark Andrews' numbers, like a fantastic career. But over three seasons at Oklahoma, 112 receptions, 1,700 yards receiving, 22 touchdowns. Brock already has those numbers be in two seasons. Heath Miller, go back some time to Virginia. Remember old Heath Miller, guys? Good player, right? He was really good at Virginia. Uh, in three seasons, 144 receptions, 1,700 yards, 22 touchdowns. Brock's, I mean, other than receptions, Brock already has him beat in most of those other categories as well through two seasons. Michael Mayer is another guy you got to talk about because, I mean, he's a guy that was neck and neck with Brock over the past couple years, and Notre Dame fans would want you to believe that he was the the, the superior of the two tight ends, and Michael Mayer is fantastic. I don't want to take anything away from him, um, he, and he's got a bunch of receptions. They force-fed him the ball, 180 receptions over three years, uh, 2,100 yards, 18 touchdowns, 11.7 yards per catch over three years, so right now, he does have Brock Ed in his career numbers, but again, that's three years compared to two years. Brock, Brock is going to blow those numbers out of the water this year. One of my buddies mentioned like Jeremy Shockey to me, and I was like, I mean, Shockey was good, you know, his final year at Miami, he was, uh, obviously he was a big name in the NFL, but go look at Jeremy Shockey's numbers, guys. Not even remotely close, not even in the conversation. Kellen Winslow Jr., Miami, same thing, like solid numbers, just not even remotely close to what Brock put up. And obviously those are just a few tight ends. I, I'm not going to sit here and name every single tight end over the last 30 years. There's been a lot of good ones. But I truly believe that there has not been a player at that position better than Brock Bowers as an all-around player in the past 30 years. So I'm going to buy it, Curtis. I'm right there with you, man. But okay, let's go ahead and move on here, Curtis. I have one more take from this anonymous scout that I want to throw out there. So we all know that our defense was really good last year. But we also know, as we spent the entire 2022 offseason telling you it was not going to be as good as the 2021 defense. And we didn't really have to tell you guys that. You guys are smart. You know what's up. You knew it wasn't going to be that level dominant. Still really good, but it wasn't the 2021 defense. So according to this anonymous scouting report, the Georgia defense will, quote, be as good or better than it was last year. Chris, I want to take that last part better. So buy or sell that the Georgia defense in 2023 will be better than the Georgia defense from 2022. I'm going to buy that, and I have a couple reasons. First off, I think last year you saw that there there wasn't a noticeable step back, but there was a step back or difference per se of the defensive unit as a whole when Jalen Carter wasn't in there, and I think that's going to be different this year. I think that across the board we have more depth and experience and playmakers across the board, especially on the defensive line than we did last year, maybe with experience-wise and skill set. Um, especially when you add in some of these people like Mike, uh, Michael Williams taking this uh, step forward in year two, uh, Jordan Hall and um, Jamal Jarrett. Jarrett. Yeah, Jamal Jarrett, people like that who I know they're, they're freshmen, but you can still see, make, see some freshmen make some impacts. Think back to Jordan Davis and even Jalen Carter in their own right when they were freshmen. Um, so I think across the board, we're going to be better there. Um, and then number two, I also want to say, like, as good as Keely Ringo was at times, he was also a liability. So I think having another corner out there that's probably actually a better pure cover corner is going to help our defense. And yes, you're losing people like Chris Smith, who's going to be hard to bounce back from. Um, but I still think that 
going into next year, we have, especially at the linebacker position where you got to think, especially the first half of the season, people like smile and um, pop or trying still trying to get their way and get their feet under them. And I just think that you're going to see the team playing at a high speed this coming year. Yeah. This is another one. I agree with you, man. Um, you look at Jalen Carter, right? Like this guy was a top 10 draft, but probably really should have been a top five, maybe even a top three draft pick. If it wasn't for all the, the red flags before the draft process, like we know how that went down, but in terms of pure talent, I mean, almost all those NFL evalu- evaluators would say in terms of pure talent, he might've been the best pure overall player in the NFL draft last year. It's going to be very difficult to replace a guy of that caliber in one year. And I, I will not, I'm not going to sit here and try to sell anyone on the idea that we have one guy that's ready to be Jalen Carter next year but does that necessarily mean curse that our defensive line is going to fall off the face of the earth just because Jalen Carter has left no I mean you know we survived when we lost three first round picks the year before yeah absolutely look I, I was three nothing right? away from Jalen Carter he's a fantastic talent an incredible talent take nothing away from him but let's not act like Georgia was one player on the defense line. That's all we were. Yes, he was the best player in our defense line. He was the most disruptive player in the defense line. You don't want to lose a guy like that. But we are a program at this point that is a recruiting superpower. Like we are a nuclear superpower on the recruiting front. And we have tons of guys that we've recruited on the defense line. And look, they're they're young, right? You mentioned guys like Jordan Hall. I am extraordinarily high on. I think he could be the next Jalen Carter type player for us, that kind of disruptive force on the interior of the defensive line. I really like what Jamal Jarrett can give us. Those guys are young. And I, I always say you don't want to be put in a position to have to rely on those guys to be impact players right away. But I don't think that we are in that position. I think if we get whatever we get from them this year, Curtis, I think that's a luxury because you still have a guy like, let's say Nas Stackhouse, who I think was maybe the most underrated player on the entire team last year. Like maybe one of the most underrated players in all of college football last year because he wasn't Jordan Davis, right? Like he he wasn't as big and as le- as athletic as Jordan Davis. But the the production, Curtis, it was there. He was awesome for us in a very quiet way. But if you actually watch the Georgia football games, like I know all of our listeners out there do, and you know football, like I know all of our listeners do, you understand how good that guy was for us. And he's back now this year after a full year of starting under his belt. We have a guy like Zion Logue, who was more of a role player for us last year. I think this guy could be in a position to take another step forward this year. I like Warren Brinson a lot. This guy gives us a little something different. He's a little bit more explosive, a little quicker on the interior, maybe not quite as big, maybe not quite the run stuffer. But I think we have some guys. And Christian Miller's another guy, Curtis, who didn't really play any at all last year. But I was so high on him coming out of high school. And look, I know G-Day is G-Day. So it's a glorified scrimmage. So like, be cautious drawing too many too many like definitive conclusions from that, but I heard a lot of really good things from people I trust coming out of spring practice all spring long about Christian Miller and the progress he made. And then what I saw with my own two eyes on the field at G day inside Sanford stadium, back that up. This guy, and we talked about, it, I think with our G day recap episode, he reminds me so much of Tyler Clark. And if you guys remember Tyler Clark, I mean, not that long ago, I'm sure you remember him. That dude was a hell of a player for us and a really disruptive guy. If we, I wish we would have let him like one tech more, uh, our two gap, or one, I'm sorry, one gap more than we did. We tried to do a lot of two gapping with him. I think later in his career, we we allowed him a little to to do a little more one gapping, which I think was what fit his skill set best because he's more of that quick, disruptive type guy. And if we allow Christian Miller to do some of that kind of stuff, I think he can be a really disruptive force for us 
on the interior of the defensive line. So I think we have a lot of options. It's not going to be one guy that is Jalen Carter this year, but I think that we have enough guys that vary in their skill set and what they bring to the table that we can mix and match from a situational standpoint and really not miss that much of a beat on the interior of the defensive line. As good as Carter was, I think we just have so many options. And, and this is like even just excluding the freshmen. I mean, again, what we get from them is a luxury. I think we could get something from them, but I'm not counting on that. But even if we don't talk about them, the guys that we still have that played for us last year, and guy like Christian Miller who redshirted is going to come in and be a player for us this year, I think we're in really good shape on the defensive line. And if you look at this defense overall, Curtis, I mean, we're really losing, what, four guys? Is that about right? Like four guys that were impact players for us last year? Um. Jalen, Beal, I mean, Nolan, Jalen, and Chris Smith. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think four guys. Like, and I mean, calling Keely Ringo uh, an impact player is being rather generous. I don't want to. I don't want to kick the guy while he's out into the NFL. Now, good player, really good player for us. I'm not a superstar. I think it's fair to say that. Uh, but yeah, Jalen Carter, big time impact player. Nolan Smith, he's healthy, he's an impact player for us. But he missed half the year, Curtis. I mean, he did. The back half of the year, he was gone. Chris Smith was another one of those just underrated stars for us, man. Just such a solid player for us. Love that guy. But that's four guys. And if you go back and watch National Championship game, we are returning seven of 11 defenders who started that National Championship game against TCU. Seven of 11, Curtis. And this defense last year, I mean, look, our defense was really good last year. It wasn't 2021 level. You go back and look at some of these numbers. In uh, 2021, we were... Second nationally with 267 yards per game allowed. Uh, last year, we were 10th for 296. So we were like 30 yards worse in 2022. Yards per play, we were second nationally in 2021, 4.15 yards per play. We were 15th last year, 4.91. So all, not that far from a full yard per play worse, Curtis. That's not, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty sizable drop there. Scoring defense, we went from 10.2 points uh, points per game to 14.3 points per game last year. Red zone touchdown percentage, we went from 28.13, which was first nationally in 2021, to 38.2% last year. Third down percentage, this is the one spot where, where we were better last year. We were 35.15% third down uh, conversion percentage in 2021 last year 26.6 percent so that's the one area that we really were better but almost across the board there was a pretty noticeable drop off in the 2020, 2021 defense which makes sense you consider all the talent that we lost that we lost we didn't fall off the face of the earth we were still really really good still national championship good but we weren't nearly as dominant as we were with all those first round guys in 2021 so do you really think or do you think that we're going to see a return closer to that 2021 defense this year? Um, I could see it. And the reason I say that is I think I'm looking more across the board um, of talent and impact players than maybe what we saw last year um, from a start to finish season-wise. I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think a lot of the guys that played some significant snaps for us last year were really young. I mean, Malachi Starks was starting by week two. He's back now as a, as a true sophomore. And he was fantastic for us. But, you know, he also had some moments where he was a true freshman, which is going to happen. Uh, Michael Williams is a guy that we heard a lot about all offseason long. I told you guys when, when we when we were recruiting him that he was the guy, like I was pointing like that's going to be the dude in this recruiting class. And he had a really great freshman year. Now he was up and down, didn't start the, the back half of the season, but he showed us the flashes of what he can be as a pass rush from that five-tech defensive end position. And he's only going, I think he's going to take a massive step forward for us this year. I think he might be one of the best pass rushers overall in the entire SEC. I love what we have come back at inside linebacker. Curtis, you mentioned both those guys were first-year starters last year. They are back with a full year starting experience 
under their belt. You got Kamari last year. And I got to say this, even I think this year, even some of our backups are better than they were last year. Yeah. I mean, even think back to inside linebacker, you know, we're probably going to be without smile for a little bit, but I have more faith in Xavier Sori than I did Ryan Davis. Um, a hundred percent, Curtis. I mean, Tresman Marshall. I mean, look, Tresman was a great dude for us. And I, I have no hard feelings for Tresman. I, I wish him the best as long as he's not playing us at Alabama, but I mean, Kurt, let's be real. Let's be honest here. I mean, Tresman Marshall versus Xavier Sori versus Raylan Wilson, CJ Allen. I mean, even EJ Lightsey. I, look, I know Tresman had some, he had experience on those guys, but in terms of overall talent and athleticism, it, yeah, it's Reggie Carter close. had experience on a lot of guys too. And he was not. Right. Not very good. Right, exactly. So I, I know we have some guys that haven't played a ton at inside linebacker behind our, our top two, but the talent is extraordinary. Like our inside linebacker room, I, I I firmly believe is the best in the country, and I don't think it's all that close. I, don't, I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head who's like remotely close to the overall group of inside linebackers that we have right now in that room. So I, I agree with you, man. The depth there, uh, Kamari Laster coming back. I mean, is this a stretch to say Kamari could potentially like vie for All-American honors this year, Kurt? Um, I mean, to me, he's actually a better version of DeAndre Baker. Well, that's interesting. What do you think makes him better than DeAndre? I think he's more physical, yeah. um, stronger. DeAndre Baker was in your face, similar build maybe. I think yeah. Lasseter is a little bit longer, but they play similar style ball. But I think Lasseter is just a stronger individual. I thought Kamara really came on last year. and We made it very clear. I mean, he, it's not like you need us to tell, tell you this, guys, but – um, by at least mid, mid midway through the season, he was our best cover guy. I mean, he was it, it really, I mean, if you watch football, you understand like he was better than Keely Ringo and it wasn't, I mean, there wasn't much of a debate there. So I think he's me a big time player for us there. And we have a really interesting battle. We don't know who's going to replace Keely Ringo right now, but I go back to depth curse. We have three or four guys right now that are legitimate contenders for that job because they're all really good. It's not, it's not one of these situations where like, oh man, like George doesn't have anybody to, to fill in for Keely Ringo. Like, no, we have too many guys. Like it's going to be hard to figure out which guy is actually going to be the cream of the crop because they are all that good we're talking about julio humphrey we're talking about dalen everett whether you're talking about nylon green aj harris all these guys are super talented players so they can all play but the depth behind them is going to be at a level that it just wasn't at last year so i'm with you i think the depth i think i think the group that we have at starting 7-11 starters from national championship game returning in the depth that we have behind them i do think that you're going to see this defense take a step back closer I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna see her until it's gonna be the 2021 defense. That was a, a the term generational was thrown around a little too much, but it was one of the best Georgia defenses, one of the best college football defenses in recent memory, at the very least. So I don't know if it'll be quite that good, but I think it'll be somewhere between 2021 and 2022. I think it'll be uh, better than what we were last year, maybe not quite as good as we were in 2021. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, I, I, that's where I sit. All right, cool. Well, let's go ahead and move on here, Curtis. So we're talking about the defense and we mentioned the inside linebackers. I found this to be really, really interesting. So according to Lindy's, Jamon Dumas Johnson is the only Georgia defender to merit first-team All-American honors. The only player on the Georgia defense to be a first-team All-American, according to Lindy's in their preseason magazine. So what that would tell you, Curse, if he's the only Georgia defender that, that they have on their first-team All-American defense, that tells you that Lindy's believes that Pop is the best defender on our team. So by or sell, Curse, is Pop really the best player on the entire Georgia defense? I sell that 100%. I mean, 100%. I, he's, not even the, he's not even the best inside linebacker. Thank 
thank you. I, I, I wanted to see if I was crazy because that's exactly no. where my I mind mean, you heard, you heard me throughout the year, especially towards the bottom part of the last part of the year, as smiles started to come on more, especially in past defense and things like that. Pop was a liability. I mean, you think back to the Pop uh, wasn't a three down linebacker. Think I'm back sorry. to the think back to the peach ball that touchdown right before the end of the first half down the middle, right at him. I mean, yes, that would happen to most inside linebackers, but the fact is it was sure as heck could happen to him because that's just not what he is. Well, it, that would be the case for all two down linebackers. Like he he's on third and long he, he, in obvious passing situations. He can't be on the field. No. Like, and, and how are you an all American? You, and you cannot be an all American if you're not a three down back. You just can't. I mean, he's a really good player. You're just on the field enough. Like pop is good. And I, I know it sounds like we're crushing the guy. That's not my intention here. I think pop. I is just, a really, yeah, I really still think player. pop is good. I just think yeah. smile is better. Exactly. That that's all. That's all. That's all I'm trying to say here. Cause I totally agree with you. When I saw that, I was like, huh like tell me you don't actually watch georgia games without telling me you don't watch georgia games because pop as good as he is is not as good as smile money he doesn't have the athleticism he doesn't have the ability to play in space the way that smile does he's a really good downhill defender and he can move it's not like pop can't move pop can move relative to other linebackers across the country he just doesn't move as well as his running mate now the thing is curse you kind of alluded to this earlier uh it there's a i mean i don't know if you guys are aware of this maybe we should, i don't know if we talked about it yet curtis but Smile is almost certainly going to miss the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah. He, he hurt his foot um, in, in, in the spring practice. And the way that our schedule works out with, I mean, we've got three of the first four games are absolute jokes. We've got South Carolina week three, which I would like to have pop for, or I would like to have smile for week three against South Carolina at home. That would be great. But I mean, I, I would say right now, based off what I am hearing, I would say there's like a point zero zero one percent chance we see in the first two weeks is that about right kurt is that where you are um yeah a hundred percent i don't think that we're gonna see in the first two weeks and i i i also don't know for sure for sure we're gonna see me in south carolina week three i personally hope that's what i'm holding out hope for i can't guarantee that i mean we'll see how the injury like we can talk about foot injuries it's just like that stuff gets weird man and for, like more than anything foot injuries freak me out more than any kind of injury like even knee injuries i mean obviously you tear acl but like when you have like this vague foot injury that's when i'm like oh god like mm, that those are always tough man so i uh, i don't know i i hope he's gonna be fine he will be he'll be fine at some point in the season we just gotta make sure we manage that but he's not gonna play the first couple of games does that does that maybe factor because but the thing is lindy doesn't know that right they're not aware of these things no you're giving them too much credit if you yeah. think they're aware of that yeah they're not saying oh we're gonna put jamon dumas johnson over smile mondon on our all-american list because we think smiles have missed the first couple weeks they they don't understand they don't look that deeply into these things they just i, I don't and honestly i don't even know where it comes from is it the fact like you know pop gets a lot of credit for being like the leader on the defense like maybe there's that there's something to that but if you watch georgia play you see that smiles a better linebacker yeah but you're once again you're giving them too much credit people just like to read the highlights and not read the article or watch the article as we know in life is going on a lot right now and that's just another another thing of it is you read the headlines or you I mean, you watch you watch, I mean, you watch the pregame of ESPN or anything and they're like, here are the people to highlight and it's always pop. And it's like, yep. does anyone like, here do, watch football? From? Yeah, I watch all these. I go back and watch all these games from all these different teams during the offseason, doing some offseason film study. And it, you're right, Kurt. It's always, always amazing because ESPN, like they, they don't even do the point. They don't even like show the entire starting lineup now. No, they only like, throw, show like two to three people. Yeah, it's like the impact players. I'm like. How in the hell did you come up with that guy as an impact player? Like, what are you talking about? I don't know, man. It's weird how they, I know they talk to coaches and maybe that's all, and they have storylines. They're trying to build narratives, right? They're trying to tell stories. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But it, yeah, you're right, Curtis. I mean, you and I, all of our listeners out there, like we're diehard. So we dive into stuff. Like we live it, we breathe it, we watch every single snap, every single game, and we don't miss anything. But these guys who do these magazines, like they might watch, like, you know, 
in totality for, through the entire season, they might watch like a, a one and a half full games of Georgia, maybe, you know, if that. So they just don't really see it week in, week out like we do. But I think all of us out there that actually watch Georgia play on a weekly basis, as good as Pop is, and we all love Pop, and I'm so glad he's on our team. I mean, Smile Monage has a much higher ceiling. And I yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that you're not like that we're hating on him or don't think he's highly of you. It's just, I mean, think back to like when Nicobe was there. I mean, we had three guys that were studs, but one of them has to be better than the other. It's just realistic. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like we had three great linebackers, Quay Walker, Nicobe, you got Chainton, all those guys. It's like, yeah, they're all awesome. We love them all, but like somebody's got to be better than the other ones, right? And that's kind of where we're at, where we're at here. And like, it, it's, we are very fortunate to be in the situation that we are where we can say, well, Pop Dumas Johnson, like, oh my God, like, how dare they have him as first team All-American? Like, I'm not outraged by it. I want Pop to get all, the, all this love. I want him to get credit. But I also think Smile deserves it, too, because I think he's a better linebacker, personally, in my opinion. Um, all right, Kurt, moving along here. Let's go to the next one. This is also another interesting one. I kind of get it, but I want to get your thoughts on it. So, according to Lindy, so they rated each position group, and they rated the quarterbacks. They did 1 through 25 for the quarterbacks. Nowhere to be found among the top 25 quarterbacks in the nation, according to Lindy's magazine, was Carson Beck, who you and I have been very clear. We believe he is the, the guy who's going to be the quarterback this year. I don't think that's going on the limb. That's almost certainly going to happen. But Carson Beck was not listed among their top 25 quarterbacks. I get it because he hasn't started the game. Makes sense. But buy or sell this, curse. Buy or sell that after the 2023 season, Carson Beck would be on a postseason list of the top 25 quarterbacks. I buy that because, I mean, look at I mean, I don't know the list you're looking at, but I can guarantee you money that J- uh, K.J. Jefferson's on that list, and he doesn't even belong in the top 10 of the SEC. Curtis, K.J. Jefferson's number 11 on their list. And the, the, the love this guy is getting, I don't understand, man. It's out of control. Yeah, it's out of control. I mean, he was getting love before Georgia faced him two years ago, and that love went away real quick. I mean, he he's a fun players. player to watch. I like watching him play. He's a unique style quarterback. But dude, like some of the decisions that guy makes. Yeah, I, and and dude. I've seen I've seen some things that have him as the top quarterback in the SEC this a year. Lot. Like, He's getting a lot of love as the best quarterback in the league. Yeah, first. it's between him and Joe Milton, and those both are just that's a, that's asinine. And, and so I mean, so I buy I, I buy both that he's not on the list preseason, but I buy that he's going to be on the list postseason because once the season starts and he's actually compared to people like that, it's going to be like, uh, yeah. Let me ask you. So here's a guy they have on the list. He's not rated super high, but this is another guy. No, he's not an SEC guy, but he's getting a lot of love. Drew Aller from Penn State, Curtis. He's number two. I, I don't understand that love, and I think a lot I don't of it, get it is that he was a five star, and he's probably that's the first. What, that, five, I mean, that's that's what it is. Curtis. He's the first five star they've had since like Christian Hackenberg, yeah. and we all knew how the, how much they loved him back then. So well, the I idea mean, is Penn State's been like they've been right there knocking on the door with a bunch of like average quarterbacks like Sean Clifford last year. So now that they got this big five-star guy, like he's going to be the missing piece. Now they're going to win these games. And, 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 and that's all it is. It's, it's his rating because yeah. I mean, he, he's a five-star and Carson Beck wasn't. And yeah. that's what a lot of this is rated off of. Yeah. And Carson Beck's a guy that's been in our system for three seasons, has more talent to work with, has more far more experience. I mean, I know not starting games, but getting out there and playing games than Drew Aller does. But Aller is in their top 25, and Carson Beck can't sniff it. I am i don't know. Here's another name, Curtis. <laughs> DJ Uyunglele made the list. Yeah, I mean that right there shows I mean, how. What do you that 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 just discredits everything? Like, I mean, what? in front of a, a court of law, they would be um, excluded very quick because they have no, there's no credibility with these lists. You're the lawyer, man. I, I, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your instincts on that one. Yeah. I mean, good God. Um, Look at some other name. Like Quinn Ewers. Here's another guy, Curtis. I know he started last year. 
five-star best quarterback recruit in the history of quarterback recruits. That dude was freaking terrible last year if you actually watched him play. He was so bad. Well, let's be honest, Tyler. The only time anyone watched Texas was the one game they oh, played man. Alabama. And for that quarter and a half he played, he was pretty That's good. True. And that that was everyone's opinion of him for the rest of the season. Nailed it. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. I mean, like some of these guys have no problem. Like Caleb Williams, obviously, Michael Penix, obviously, Drake May, obviously, Jordan Travis. I think Jordan Travis is great. Sam Hartman, I Sam Hartman at number five. That's that's a stretch for me. That's high, but he is he he's good. He's experienced. Yeah. I, I'm very curious to see how much. Like how much was it the wait for a system? You know, with their, with their long mesh. I don't know. I I think Sam Hartman's really good. Top five. I don't know. I think Bo Nix. I mean, I've always been a Bo Nix. A hater, but last year he showed me something. I'll give him credit. He was, I, I have no problem with him being the top six. JJ McCarthy, fine. Jaden Daniels, yeah, I think Jaden Daniels is solid. Jalen Daniels from Kansas, yeah, yeah. Michael Pratt from Tulane, I mean, yeah. No, G5. that's a stretch. Like, how do you, like, G5, like, I don't, I just don't know how that, how you translate that. I don't know. Um, I, I, I'll tell you this, I would, I would take Carson Becker from Michael Pratt all day. And I know Michael Pratt's good. I watched Tulane quite a bit last year. He's good, but I mean, give me Carson back. Come on. Frank Harris, UTSA, good player. Uh, I like him. Spencer Rattler at 12, Curtis. Um, what? He finished That's the two hot. games. It's yeah. two games. It's two games. Yeah. And you're right, Curtis. It goes back to like how they watch these two games, right? They watch the game against Tennessee because everyone's eyes got on that. Like, oh, my God. South Carolina's not being Tennessee. Let's all turn and watch that game. Oh, my God. South Carolina's coming, making a comeback against Clemson. Let's watch that game. But if you look at the other seven games that played in the regular season against Power 5 teams, and I mentioned this in our Scout Enemy episode, he was like 185 yards a game throwing the football, Curtis. Like five touchdowns, seven picks. And that's the 12th best quarterback in the country? Okay. Okay. Dylan Gabriel, I mean, fine. Um, Talia Tugavaloa. Okay, I'm, I mean that's fine. Like I'm not saying Carson should be in the top ten right now. He's got to prove it. But the like some of these guys, like this, like DJ Ungolay being on this list is laughable. Like that's that's insanity to me. But yeah, I mean I think when we, I mean the, the moral of the story here is I believe going back to the buy or sell question here, I'm with you. At the end of the season in December, if we go back, if Lindy's put out a postseason top twenty five quarterbacks list, I am very confident Carson Beck would be on that list. And I think Carson Beck has a chance to be inside the top 10 of that list. Is that crazy? No, not at all. With the weapons that we have, I think Carson's going to be really good, Curtis. Like I'm, I'm trying to temper my expectations with him. I really am. But I've like the people that know around the program rave about this guy, what I've seen from him, understanding how he's been in the offense, the fact that he hasn't transferred out. Our coaches are high. And I know all these things. I just, like, I mean, I, it's, I think it's not enough for Carson to have a really, really big year this year. I really do believe that. And maybe I'm just a homer. Maybe, you know, that's fine, whatever. But like, we'll see. We'll find out sooner rather than later. All right, Kurt, let's move on here. Uh, so we did the quarterbacks. Let's do the running backs here. So according to Lindy's, they did the top 25 running backs in the country. There was not one single Georgia running back listed among the top 25 running backs in the country, Curtis. And we're talking about running back you, man. Like, we're not used to that. Not having one single dude on the top 25 running back list. So by yourself, Curtis, George doesn't have a top 25 running back. I'm going to sell it, and I still think it's because I think it's Branson Robinson, but first off, he's going to miss some time with his injuries. Same thing with sending a smile, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's the biggest downside, but, I mean, I get it to a degree. I mean, I mean, even going into last year, we had Kenny Mack. We knew what he could do, but a lot of people didn't, and, like, we, we – Let's be honest, our running back recruiting has not been to the level it was for a long time when we were, and at the same time, we've also changed offensive scheme, you know, schemes to a little bit where we're not, you know, running at 60, 70% of the time. Like we are going to more of a passing attack and trying to use it to open things up. I will agree with you, Curtis. I do think our running, 
the the drop and it hasn't been a precipitous drop. It's not been a precipitous drop, but the but fact the is drop in our right back where you have the Sony, under underreported stories in Georgia recruiting over the yeah, past couple. It, of it really is, in my opinion, because people don't look at our. Uh, like Branson was a big time recruit. That was a big one. Yeah, but he had one in five years where we were getting two a year for a while. And a lot of high profile misses too. Yeah, quite. And state misses too. Like yeah. legacy misses, like Justin Haynes. Justin Haynes. Well, like, legacy <laughs> misses, and then yeah. also just pure misses. Tank Bigsby, yeah. Zach Evans. I mean, there, he is. He, that 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 whole class curse was a disaster. We're yeah. like we we chose we chose Zach Evans over Tank Bigsby, and it's like. What are we like? I know Zach Evans, the number one running back in the country, but I want him. But there were serious red flags there. Tank Bigsby wanted to come to Georgia, and we said thanks, but no thanks. Oh, and we also, oh, by the way, didn't even remotely pay attention to Jameer Gibbs until very late in the, in the cycle when things started to fall apart. And we know how Jameer Gibbs turned out to be a first round freaking draft pick. And yep. if you watch his tape when he was a senior curse, his tape was off the freaking charts. But we just we just dropped the ball on that one. We, we put too much of our too much into, into Zach Evans, and man, that just really bit us. Yeah. Can you imagine, Curse, if we would have had, like, in that class, Jameer Gibbs and Tank Bigsby in one class? Yeah, it would have been a completely <laughs> different class. I mean, we still won two national championships, so what are we complaining about? But it's just like, damn. Like, our running back recruiting just hasn't – it hasn't been bad. It just hasn't been elite like it has been. You know, we're no. used to seeing, like, with the Nick Chubbs and Sonny Michels and the Todd Gurleys and the Keith Marshalls and the DeAndre Swifts and the list goes – and then, you know, the – even go back to, like, Thomas Browns, the No'Sean Moreno's. Like, we just – we're not we're – not, Hitting those guys, man. We're just not getting them right now. Getting good players. Uh, I, I mean, I like Roger Robinson, but he was not 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 the biggest high profile recruit. He was like he was not a first option for us. Like he's gonna be a good player for us, but he wasn't our number one target at running back last year. I mean, he, he probably wasn't really our second or third. Like, but he was a guy that I'm glad we got. I think he'd be a good player for us. But I mean, let's be real. We missed on some guys. That's why we ended up with Roger Robinson. So yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at who we have coming back, there isn't one guy that's got a ton of production. You know what I mean? Yeah, there isn't. Um, I mean, you you look at a guy like Dejan Edwards, who we all love. Um, I mean, just how can you not love that guy? But, I mean, he's not a top 25 back in the country, right? No, not at all. Kendall Milton hasn't stayed Kendall healthy. Kendall Milton can't stay healthy. I mean, I hope he does stay healthy. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say he can't stay healthy. He's had he's had some injury issues, and I hate he's that. Had, yeah, he's unfortunately been a casualty of injuries. But when he – you know, at the end of the season, he finished strong. And, he really you know, did. He had a injury in spring practice, so hopefully he's able to come back healthy and put it together. Because I think the guy has the skill set to be a you know a weapon. He he does. I think I think he absolutely can be a weapon. I just my thing with him is I'm at the point now where I've got my hopes up so many times with him. I just can't count on it. I, I still believe in him. I just can't count on it. You know what I mean? I just can't do that to myself again. Um, but I hope, I mean, if he stays healthy, he can be a really good player for us. I really like Andrew Paul. I think if he can come back healthy from the knee injury and get closer and closer to being his, his old self, I really liked what he had come out of high school. I think Roger Robinson can give us some things, but are any of those guys right now, surefire top 25 running backs in the country? No, no. I think Branson, if Branson gets back fully healthy from the foot injury, which it's a tough foot again, foot injuries, running backs, man, like, mm, you don't want to be dealing with that. If he can get back healthy relatively early in the season, yeah, I think maybe he could he could be in the top, he could be a top twenty five running back, but I mean that's that's dependent on injury, and then you just never know when talking about foot injury. So, I I don't think that they're like crazy far off on this one, you know. No, I'm with you on that. Yeah, so I I, I don't know, I, I don't think they're too far off on that one. All right, next of course, let's go to the receivers here. Uh, according to Lindy's, Dominic Lovett 
is the best receiver on our team. They have him ranked as the number 16 receiver in the country. That is the highest rated receiver on our team on their list. Lab McConkie did make the list, Chris, but came, came in at number 19. So buy or sell, Dominic Lovett will be the leading receiver, not pass catcher, not including tight ends here, just strictly wide receivers. Dominic Lovett will be the leading wide receiver on the Georgia team this year. I'm going to buy it, and I think it's mainly, well, first off, the guy is an explosive player. He had explosive plays against us. And then number two, um, I think his role is good. What's going to allow it? I, I truly believe he's going to be someone in the slot, and it's going to be open for you know ripe for pickings with him because you have Brock Bowers, who's already going to take a lot of attention from safeties and linebackers, and you put him in the slot, he is going to be a weapon that you can terrorize people when they focus on Brock, and it's going to become well, which who do you want to mess with? And that that open, you know, the the way we're going to be able to scheme him open with that role to go along with his explosiveness just screams that he's going to be a big play guy for us. Yeah, I think what I would say, I mean, here, I'll say this is my last thing on him. Yeah, he's Isaiah McKenzie with so much more skill as a receiver and thicker and thicker. Yeah. So he's a he's stronger. I think I actually think he's faster and quicker. Um and I think he's I mean, a better pure receiver quick, than McKenzie. And we saw how explosive McKenzie was. Yeah, Isaiah was quick as lightning, dude. He was crazy. He, that, and I know we sucked. In, well, we didn't suck. We weren't great in 2016, but he was really good for us that year. Yeah, look, I think my th- my take on Dominic Lovett, I'm really, I mean, you guys know I'm really excited about him. I made that pretty clear. I think if you're trying to project like, who's going to be the top receiver on the team this year, I think Lovett's the safest bet because I think he has the best combination of like skill set, athleticism, and like proven production. You know what I mean? Lad's yeah. really close though. Like I, I struggle with this one because I think like if you look at their numbers last year, Curse, it wasn't altogether that that much different. Although Lad played more games, obviously played you know um, what two extra games, three extra games. No, two extra games, I guess, at the end of the day, than, uh, than what Lovett did. I think Lovett actually missed a game or two. He was hurt at times last year. But Lovett last year had 56 catches for 843 yards. Ladd had 58 for 762. So their their final numbers were relatively close there. And I love Lad McConkie. I think he's a really underrated athlete. You guys know, going back to when we signed him out of high school, I was telling you guys, this dude is going to be a player for us. So I love me some Lad McConkie. I'm so happy he's on our team. I think he's a, a such a good player and so much better than people want to give him credit for. But I think Dominic Lovett has maybe an extra gear. Is that fair, Curtis? I, I see that, yeah. A little bit of an extra gear, a little bit maybe just a tad bit more explosive, although Lad's explosive. Lad hit some big plays, has hit, has hit plenty of big plays for us. But I think Lovett gets a little bit more there. Uh, but it honestly would not shock me if Lad led, led the team, like among all receivers, led the team in, in receptions and receiving yards. I mean, again, no, it wouldn't shock me. To me, it's going to be one of the two. Yeah, it's gonna be one of the two. Now, here's the sleeper. I mean, I, I think that Arian Smith might have the highest ceiling of all of them. But he, he, he could be the be guy back. to have 150 yards a yeah. game with 30 catches for this yeah. year. I just like, is he ready to be a like complete receiver? I hope so. I hope he takes strides this year because if he is, like, watch the hell out with that guy. So I think he has the highest ceiling if he just can like start polishing his game and really just stay healthy because that's the problem with with Arian. Unfortunately, he's had so many injuries that and he was kind of raw, not kind of was really raw uh, coming out of high school. So he needed that developmental time and he missed so much of that time with injuries. So he's trying to catch up on that. He's going into his fourth year, but he's really kind of like a sophomore, more or less in terms of like time on the field. So if he can polish his game up and get up to speed with his athleticism and that's the just elite speed, I mean, he might be the fastest player in the country legitimately. We're talking like 10, 100 meter type guy. Um, he he could be that guy, but I just, I can't go there quite yet because we don't, we haven't seen the production consistently. We've seen flashes of it. I mean, we all remember the Peach Bowl, 
We remember the Tennessee game, but we haven't seen it consistently enough. So I think Lovett's probably the safest bet there. But I mean, Lad, Lad is going to put up a fight. Lad will put up a fight, and, and that's great. I mean, look, man, I don't care who it is. I want I want Georgia to win games. So I think we're, we're in really good hands having both Lovett and Lad there going to be fighting out to be the leading receiver on this team. But yeah, I would give Lovett a slight slight edge right now. Yeah, right now. Um, all right, Kurt, a couple more here. Let's let's we haven't talked much about the defense. I guess we talked about the big picture in the defense, but let's talk more about the defensive back. So Lindy's has ranked our defensive back unit as the number one DB unit in the country, Curtis. So by ourselves, the George defensive backfield is the top secondary in all of America. I'm going to sell that. Um, and the only I, reason on the, on the service course, I want to sell it too. My question becomes, this is why I asked myself, who's better. See, that's the problem. I can't sit here and actually tell you who's better. Um, yeah. I just, I'm thinking of George. You know, I'm going to judge this all in the Georgia standard because right now they are the cream of the crop, the standard you want to be, the standard you want to beat when it comes to defense the last couple of years, especially since Kirby Smart's taken over. So right now we are the threshold, and I'm just judging ourselves on our own threat, our own standard that we've created, and I don't believe it's as high as it is. Now, maybe halfway through the season I'll say that. I just am not sure with Bullard at safety um how that's going to truly play out and then at start don't you trust our coaches you know, there to some degree like these guys, i do i do but it just all i mean at the same time you just it remains to be seen it remains to be seen and i think that's where i'm cautiously optimistic that these guys can make some of these changes and then it'll be nice too when you see someone like dan, uh dirty dan back and people like that who will create i think he getting him back, back man, and creating not... that depth will help make us the number one unit in the nation i mean just think about this Curtis. think about the top three guys in our secondary Kamari Laster, who we've talked about already, we were both very high on him. Malachi Starks, I mean, dude was starting week two, all right, and made incredible plays for us. Yeah, he made some freshman mistakes here and there, but who doesn't at that at that stage in their career? I mean, he could have an all-SEC year, Curtis. I mean, that's not a stretch, right? No, he not at all. He an all-SEC guy this year, easily. Uh, then you've got Javon Bullard, who, like, I know he's going to be playing a different position this year. You're right. That, that does merit some watching, but we know what kind of player this guy is. Like we know the physicality he plays with. I think he's, I, I, I honestly, Chris, I think he's very similar to Chris Smith. I think safety probably fits him better than, because like, let's be real. Like Javon was a really good star for us, but his value came more in how he was willing and able to defend against the run in the box from that position than it was in coverage. He wasn't an elite cover guy. I mean, he wasn't, you know, I mean, think about how many times you saw him get beat on RPOs and slants. You know, I mean, it happens like then that happens to all slot defenders because you can't get a, you can't impress them at the line of scrimmage because they're playing off the off the ball. So it, it's tough for any slot defender. But like he's not a, he wasn't an elite cover guy at star. He was a good cover guy. He wasn't elite. So I think that he'll be better at safety because the skills that he brings to the table, fitting against the run, being able to play in zone coverage, break on the ball, all those kind of things like what you saw him do in, in the Peach Bowl against uh, against Ohio State to Marvin Harrison Jr. Those kind of things, the instincts. That's what he, I think that those are his greatest traits and that fits better at safety than does, does a star. So I think he actually is going to be maybe even better this year. I mean, I, I could be wrong there, but I think he could be better. I think, I, but he's a good player regardless. So you got those three guys right there, Curse, And then the other cornerback position, you've got a, a, a host of four highly rated four and five star guys that are fighting for that job. And I'll say this, I know that whoever wins that job is not going to have really any experience whatsoever to speak of. But Curtis, is there any team in the country over the past three to four years that has recruited the defensive backfield better than the University of Georgia? No, there's not. There simply is not. I mean, other teams recruit other positions better than we do, like receiver, obviously. But DB, there is not one single team in the United States of America that has recruited the defensive backfield better than the University of Georgia has. Just that that team does not exist. So 
we are in as good a position as anyone in the country to, to replace any losses there. You got Tyke Smith, who was a third team All-American a couple of years back at West Virginia, who dealt with some injuries, but he's not going to fit in that star position. And if you know what, he's also got Janelle Aguero, a five-star dude who's nipping on his heels, who might be the best star, the best star prospect that we've had in the Kirby Smart era. You know what I mean? Like he, he's not quite ready yet, but by midseason, could he be? Maybe. And that could that could take our defense up a whole other level. So I, I, I'm with you like, on the surface. I was like, no, like we don't have the best teams in the backfield in the country, but then you think about it and you're like, but maybe we do. You know what I mean? Cause I, I mean, I think that's the thing you start looking across the board and you're like, okay, maybe we do. Yeah. And you're right. I think like we compare it to, it's like a Georgia standard, right? Like we pair, we compare it to like what we expect. And there are some questions still, obviously at the star position with Tyke coming in, how that's going to work out. And that, that, uh, cornerback opposite Keeley are, um, Kamari Lassiter, you know, there's still some questions there. I just, I'm confident in what we've recruited there. And you, I mean, let me ask you this, Chris, like Alabama is a team that people want to point out because they recruited an extraordinary, extraordinarily high level. Obviously got Kool-Aid McKinstry, got Malachi Moore coming back, but is the Alabama secondary as a whole project to be better than Georgia secondary this year? No, it's just two players. Yeah. And Kool-Aid is good. I don't know if Kool-Aid deserves all the credit this guy's getting. I don't know, I don't know if know. he's, I don't know if he's this guy they're building him up to be. I think he's really good, but. Yeah, he's a good player. I'm not saying he's garbage. He's good. I just don't know if he's. I like don't this, think like, he's to certain's level. No, I absolutely do not. No, I don't. I don't think he's that guy. Malachi Moore is a really good player. I think he's a really good player for them. So I'm high, and they're really good in the in the back end. But they just don't have the quality of player, like the, the depth of player that we have in our secondary. And Michigan's number two, and then Michigan's good. You know, you got Rod Moore, Macari Page returning uh, at, at safety, and Mike Sanders still is, is a really good nickel back. But they don't have the they don't have the high level talent that we have in the secondary. They have some guys returning, but so do we. And overall talent wise, it's not even close. Uh, somehow, some way, somehow Ohio state made it inside the top five. I don't quite understand that um, because they just got torched <laughs> against good teams. So I don't know. Latham ransom, which is by the way, the dude that felt that um, Arian Smith made fall down late in that game in the fourth quarter. They mentioned him as one of the best players <laughs> in the country at safety. Um, okay. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy. I mean, I did not when I first saw this, I actually circled it because I was like, no, there's no way. Like, like we got to sell that. Then the more I looked into it, I'm like, yeah, actually, I think I'm buying it. I think that we probably do have, at least on paper coming this season, the best defensive back in the defensive backfield in the country. I think I think you can certainly buy that. All right, Kurt, last one here, man. Uh, interesting one here. So we talked a little bit about the defensive line and Jalen Carter earlier. Let's come back to that real quick. So according to Lindy's, Georgia is outside the top five in their defensive line units, coming in at number seven. I already said earlier, Curtis, I, I, we don't have a Jalen Carter, right? Like we're going to miss that guy. But Curtis, buy or sell, there are six defensive lines in America better than Georgia's. I'm going to sell it. And the reason I say that is, yes, there may be some defensive lines that have one guy better than every, you know, one versus one on Georgia's defensive line. But it's hard to find six units as a whole that are better than Georgia's whole. And I think it also comes down to, like, how do you classify these players? You're talking about a 3-4 defense, a 4-3 defense? Because from reading Lindy's rankings here, like these 4-3 teams that have, like, true – four or three defensive ends, they count them as defensive linemen because they are. But teams like Georgia that play, you know, a base three, four, although we're not really ever in a three, four, but play a base three, four. And we call our edge rushers outside linebackers. They're counting them as linebackers. You know what I mean? So like whether you call them an outside linebacker or defensive end, I know four, three, three, four is a little bit of a different position, but they still do the same thing. They rush the passer. So I, I, you could classify an edge rusher, in my opinion, in a three, four as a defensive lineman because 
a lot of times they're basically functioning in that role. But, you know, that's semantics here. But, I mean, they, they have Ohio State as the number one defensive line in the country. And, I mean, Mike Hall, good player, tight hand. I mean, this, they're good. JT Tuomalolo, however you say his name, and Jack Sawyer got two five-star defensive ends. Um, now, Sawyer has never come remotely close to performing at that level. Uh, JTT, yes, he's a really good player for them. But I don't know. I mean, number one, even sign the country, like Florida State at number two, Curtis. What do you think about Florida State at two? I mean, I know Jared Verse, but who else? Fabian Lovett? That's a stretch to me. Illinois at three? Does Illinois really have a better defensive line than Georgia? Well, I mean, they – I don't know. They have some it, good players. I mean, it's just – I don't new. know. I just question a lot of it. What about Washington? I mean, well, okay, okay, I will give – Tuapolo Fetu is really good for Washington. And, and Braylon Trice is good too. But talking about like the overall defensive line, like starters, depth pieces, I don't know, man. Like I would say LSU probably with Mason Smith. Mason Smith comes back fully healthy. And you got Makai Wingo. I might give LSU a, maybe a slight edge there. Clemson with Tyler Davis and Aurora. Um, maybe. I don't know. I, I, w- I would say Curtis Georgia's top five defensive line in the country. So I'm going to sell it. Are you with me on that? I am, yeah. I, I don't think – like I said, I just don't see it. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, I, I'm going to say Georgia. I'm not going to say we're a one, two, or three defensive line in the country this year, but I think we're certainly inside the top five. But uh, all right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA Podcast. As always, guys, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. We have some pretty big plans for the rest of the offseason that we are going to share with you. We are just – figuring some things out, logistical stuff, some technical stuff, all those kind of things. But we do have some plans for the rest of the offseason that I think you guys are going to enjoy, and we will definitely fill you guys in on that in the weeks to come. I I just want to tease that a little bit, let you know we do have some big-time plans for you guys. We appreciate you so much for being here each and every week, each and every episode. So we want to try to do a little bit more for you guys, get some more content out there for you. And, uh, yeah, we'll fill you guys in on that here in a couple of weeks. But thank you again, guys, for being here. Hope everyone had a fantastic 4th of July. I will be back later this week, guys. We are now in full-on preview modes. That means three episodes a week through July, through August, going into the college football season. And then we'll we'll go to four episodes once we get into the actual season. So a ton of great content for you guys. This is the time that you want to be listening to this podcast. This is the time that we live for, guys. We're going to get you guys ready for the season. And once the season gets here, you guys know we're going to have you covered for all of your Georgia football needs. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>